Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Rewatchability. It's the show where we rewatch old movies to see how they hold up over time. My name is Blaine Waters. With me, as always, is Commander Laronde. Okay, and I'm only a lieutenant commander. (laughs) McNabb, (laughs) J.M. McNabb, (laughs) Uh, and we are part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Before we begin all this, we want to shout out to our Patreons. Those are people that give us one, Mm -hmm. three, and five dollars a month. Mm -hmm. Think you know, in the future, we won't need any money. No, so Uh, send it all while you can. (laughs) Yeah, use it while you got it. Use your life savings (laughs) because it's going to be abolished soon. God, Um, you know, you might spend that money on on a coffee. You know, you can spend it on. On a podcast that you listen to a lot. Yeah. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability for that. And we are going to talk about a Star Trek movie this week. Why, why are you just saying it like that? It's You're not excited enough. <laughs> We're talking about a Star Trek movie this week. <laughs> not just a Star Trek movie. We're talking I've... about Star Trek First Contact, the best of the next generation movies. Oh, is that uh, what you're saying? You haven't it's better seen than the Genesis? one, the one where uh, Worf goes through puberty again. <laughs> <laughs> he has to kill a lot of people. <laughs> it's unfortunate. No, I, I see your point. It is. It is kind of the best of the next TNG. This means a lot to a lot of people, <laughs> <laughs> and apparently a lot to Robert Laron, Captain Robert Laron, Commander. <laughs> when did you first see it, Rob? When did you first see this movie? Well, I saw it in the theaters, Blaine. Oh, yeah. My family, we loved The Next Generation. We watched it together when it was on. It was, like, my favorite show growing up. And so the movies, I mean, they were, like, they were, like, everything that I wanted. Like, Star Trek Generations, I loved. It brought Mm -hmm. together, like, the old Star Trek and the new Star Trek. And, you know, also blew it up to sort of cinematic scope. Yeah. And so, like, I was 
damned ready for this one. <laughs> and also it brought back the Borg, who are the most chilling Star Trek villain. And also we get to see Captain Picard be a badass. Oh, like, yeah. this isn't like, you know, oh, I'll stay in the bridge and, you know, drink my tea, Captain Picard. This is fucking like... His his sleeves are ripped off and his yeah. like bicep yeah, is showing. Yeah, this Captain is like Barian sweep Picard, you know, where he has to like take everyone down. Starship Mine. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. yeah it's a great episode. So I loved this movie, and like it was my favorite of the Star Trek uh, Next Generation movies growing up, and uh, I loved it. So mm-hmm. I was really excited to talk about it again. Well, JM, you you brought this to us. This was your idea to to do. So why yeah. why. Why was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I should mention uh, me and my friend Cena, who is going to be a guest on the show today, but uh, he got a sniffle. Right. Uh, In the future, sure that's taken care of. assimilated by the Borg? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to do a, a recap show for the new Star Trek Picard. Oh, yeah. Mm. Because uh, those are a thing. Though I, I always find those recap shows weird because people – you have to start them kind of before the show starts. Yeah. I always wonder, like, how do people know, like, they're going to want to talk about Westworld every week before they've seen it? <laughs> yeah. But, it could be awful. Yeah, yeah. But I knew – you know, I'm a big Star Trek fan from mm-hmm. years back. I knew this was going to be one I'm going to watch every week regardless. And uh, and my friend Cena is a big fan. So we're going to do – a rewatch podcast. We've already done like an intro episode where we talk about some of our favorite Picard episodes, Starship Mine included. Oh, nice. And so you can find the podcast is on Apple Podcasts now. Oh, it's sweet. called uh, T Earl Grey Hot Take. Okay. <laughs> uh, That's the perfect name. It's the perfect name. It's the perfect name. Yeah. So go check it out. Subscribe. If you're going to be watching Picard, you can watch it alongside us and, you know, we'll have a have a chat about it. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I wanted to do this one because I think this is like the best, other than maybe Generations, which I do like, yeah. but I think it's the best Picard movie. And, uh, you know, f- we'll get into all the reasons why. Like, I, th- I think it's what I like about the Next Generation movies is they didn't just replicate the original series movies right. Right. in the way that like the J.J. Abrams uh, timeline does right. like, they actually you know really crib scenes from from those movies and try to kind of fit them into their new cast of characters whereas this like this is very much the wrath of Khan mm-hmm. but Picard's Khan isn't isn't a dude with a heaving chest it's uh, <laughs> you know it's the Borg uh, it's, it's a lady with a cybernetic chest <laughs> exactly uh, so yeah I loved it so obviously I saw it in the theaters I think I saw it opening day and uh yeah, it's probably my favorite too. Yeah. Though it's not, you know, without its dated elements. No. <laughs> yes. Wait, yeah, why does she have a chest at all? Like her her like human half is like from the clavicle up. Yeah. It's, it's so very they're weird. simulated breasts. Yeah. They're yeah. But I mean this is breasts. all about the Borg Hollywood. trying to <laughs> re-embrace their human side, right? So maybe mm. they thought that that part of human sexuality was necessary. Right. Mm. Or, you know, Locutus wouldn't be interested. Yeah. Well, she does kind of seduce uh, Data. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, he's into it. Yeah. Goosebumps. He what just wants I, the goosebumps. You, you must have seen it. Yeah. Before, I saw yeah. it. I saw it in theaters. I saw it with my brother, who is like the biggest Trekkie fan. 
in the world. But you're uh, also the biggest Trekkie fan, aren't you? No, I, I, yeah, I love Star Trek, and I watched it religiously when I was like a kid, and when it was coming out on TV, I, I loved the world of it. But and... you still love it, right, Blaine? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I like it. Um, I, I feel. Like some like, uh, did you watch the newest series? The no. um, Discovery. Yeah, Discovery. I've watched some of it. Yeah, it left a little wanting for me. Um, yeah, it, especially because it was like serialized, but it still felt really episodic. Right. Um, are you guys excited for Picard? Yeah, I'm. I'm like hopeful. I'm hopeful for Picard. I, I've noticed Come people on. that like worked on it and stuff. And, and you know people I, that worked on it. Yeah. Do like you know the, Patrick Stewart? I. He's my father. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, Damn. Yeah. Uh, so like, I, I want to like it, and I feel like that's the worst place to be. Right. Like I just yeah. want to like it so much. Yeah. That I think I feel the same way. I worried. also really want to like it. I yeah. feel like an emotional stake. Yeah. In this turning out well. I know. And we were talking about it before, being like, maybe he's just on Earth the entire time. I'm like, yeah, do that. Like, I don't care <laughs> if they go to sp- – I just want, like, this old brooding Picard. It's but just I- about his vineyard. <laughs> it's just the ins and outs of running your own business. I would love business. if it's, like, sideways in space. That's fine <laughs> yeah. by me. Yeah, <laughs> one day perfect. there's a cold snap and he's like, damn you, weather! <laughs> My grapes! <laughs> My beautiful grapes! <laughs> <laughs> he just phasers into the field. <laughs> ah, uh, the but, line must be drawn here. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred Woodard talking him down. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I've lo- already gotten so nerdy. I'm sorry. I, know. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved Star Trek when I was a kid, and watching this in the theater was a, great. The moment very early in this when the uh, the the needle goes into Picard's eye. Oh yeah. Huge reaction in the theater, like people going, Ugh, like gagging in the theater. <laughs> well, like, like it was, it was, it was almost like that problem child thing where like everyone starts throwing up and then everyone else starts. Throw- like I expected that to happen when that. It pushes in his like lens. <laughs> you know, it's so bad. The cornea bends. <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> yeah, uh, that also reminds me. I didn't say like everyone was super hyped when I saw it. It was like packed. It was like Star Trek was super popular. Yeah. Whereas when I I feel like when I saw Nemesis, there were like three other people yeah. in the theater. No one, no one cared. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know what happened between that movie and Nemesis because, like, yeah, Star Trek was huge, and then it seems like Star Trek Nemesis they sort of like just quietly released. Yeah. Well, even Insurrection, I wasn't good, but I don't remember it being like a disappointment. Like, I don't think people were hyped for it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what happened. But that was like the slow step down. I feel. You know, yeah. Like this was, uh, like we're saying, the pinnacle of the of the TNG movies. Yeah, it really did reach that. Like, what do you do beyond the Borg after this? Yeah. Not good. It's That's bad. what you do. Yeah. After this. Uh, so, Rob, do you want to run down uh, the movie for people that maybe haven't seen First Contact, haven't made First Contact with this film? I will engage. <laughs> I the, the listener. Yes. <laughs> okay. Great. <laughs> so it starts with. An eye, Picard's eye, with the drill thing, because Picard is having a, a flashback. He has yeah, PTSD. He's done a lot of acid. Oh, yes. Because no, <laughs> if you remember, if you watched the original series a long time ago, the original second series. Yes, the original second series. <laughs> the new original series. There was a special two-part episode sponsored by Crystal <laughs> Pepsi, where Captain Picard was temporarily turned into a Borg. Mm. 
And as we start this movie, it seems like he's still not over it. Like he's yeah. still having some like borgy issues. <laughs> yeah, for like the first time ever though. Like he's never flashed back to that in even in the series or like in the Genesis. Like we never really see that. Yeah. It's like, oh, this kind of comes out of nowhere ten years later. Well, Star Trek is generations, such... you mean. Uh but like we don't see the his like his his uh you know, going into his head over the Borg. Yeah. We don't see that in generations or like in the in yeah. the end of the show. That would be great if there was like an episode that had nothing to do. Like he was fighting the Romulans. He's like, you know what? I just can't deal right now. <laughs> I'm still dealing with that Borg shit. <laughs> yeah. It is weighing on me. Yeah. <laughs> God. I need to self-care. It's that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But he's having a hard time. Mm-hmm. And it also, coincidentally, this is the time that the Borg have finally decided to just attack all of Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that he should be out there, you know, fighting. But Starfleet has ordered him to go and patrol the neutral zone because they think, well, he was a Borg once. Right. You He'll know, turn on us kind of thing. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Despite the, like... 10 plus years that have happened in between. Yeah, that he's fought the Borg. <laughs> yeah. It's kind hasn't of had insulting. any flashbacks. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah, but can you blame them? I mean, maybe we learn in the episode that, or in the movie, sorry, it feels yeah. like an episode. <laughs> it does, it does yeah. That he still has some hang-ups about this that are affecting his uh, reason. Yeah, and mm-hmm. actually, you know what? I, I, I did say it would be funny if he was still hung up about the Borg, but one thing I do like that they do on the show after the Borg episode is they have that episode family where he goes back to Earth and visits his brother yeah. who burned to death in Generations. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, I, do, I do like that they took that. So I feel like the, the idea that he's been affected by this was always kind of mm-hmm. baked into the character. Yeah. And I... I I think, like, because he's also, isn't he hearing, like, the voices of the Borg as just before this battle? Like, Yeah, I think sometimes yeah. he picks up a stray Wi-Fi signal. <laughs> <laughs> he has, like, a filling that catches radio every yeah, once in a while. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but so they're all in the neutral zone while the Borg are attacking Starfleet. And they're just sort of listening on the radio while basically all of Starfleet is wiped out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not nice. It's no. Not nice. It's also not dramatically interesting, but... <laughs> That's why he turns it off. He's like, like, this is boring This is me. boring. <laughs> Let's go on one of those holodeck mysteries, shall we? <laughs> Computer, play Beastie Boys. <laughs> but he decides, you know, he's not going to take this shit lying down. He's got to put himself into the fight. So he goes to Earth. Mm-hmm. He defies the orders of Starfleet and drives the ship because to Earth. Because those guys are already dead, probably. Probably. Yeah. Picks up Worf on the way because <laughs> <laughs> we can't have a Star Trek Next Generation movie without Worf. Yeah, you got to get a team back together. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember uh, what happens in the other two movies, <laughs> but it gets really painful How? because obviously Worf goes to Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Uh, in the interim between movies, so they have to keep kind of contriving ways for Worf to join up with his old crew. Surprise, I was in your closet the whole time. (laughs) It's your birthday. That's why I came here to surprise you. I haven't felt bad because when they pick him up, Captain Picard says, uh, we could use your help with tactical. And then he just relieves some guy. And if I was that guy, like, I just wanted that guy to be like, I'm trying my best. (laughs) God, it's really hard to get here. You don't know what it's like. (laughs) Well, I guess you do. <laughs> but so they go to Earth and just in time to see the Borg cube attacking the planet. Mm-hmm. And 
See, this is where Captain Picard knows what he's talking about because he's the only guy who knows exactly where to aim all the phasers on the Borg ship. Yeah, right in the crotch. (laughs) (laughs) Right in the crotch of the Borg. In the space balls. (laughs) (laughs) Hit them there, boys. In video games, there's usually like a glowing jewel or something like that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hit them in their glowing jewels. (laughs) Oh, God. So he does that and the ship explodes, but not before sending out this orb, this Borg sphere. They can do mm-hmm. other shapes. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for the Borg pyramid. <laughs> That's going to blow your mind. <laughs> but then that thing sort of does something really crazy. It's not really crazy. It happens basically in every second Star Trek movie. It rips a hole in the time-space continuum. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then goes back in time to some period in Earth's past. Mm-hmm. Now, they blow up the Borg sphere. sphere. <laughs> right. You got it. But while that happens, Riker and most of the crew goes down to the Earth's surface. Yeah, and they, like, they realize that the Borg have hit the base where Zephyrin Cochran... Wait, wait, is... wait, wait, wait. No, no, wait. They have to... It's Captain Picard goes down. This ship used to be a nuclear missile. It is an historical irony that Dr. Cochran would choose an instrument of mass destruction to inaugurate an era of peace. So, boyhood fantasy data. I must have seen this ship hundreds of times in the Smithsonian, but I was never able to touch it. Sir, does tactile contact alter your perception of Phoenix? Oh, yes. Yeah. Captain first, Picard yeah. goes down first, but the Borg start infiltrating the ship because it turns out they must have teleported in while the shields were down right. or something like that. Mm-hmm. They tease it out that the right. Borg have been—because I remember the, like, the first hints that anything is going on is Geordi's like, we got to do this, we got to do this. And he's like, and you know, check the thermostat. It's warm in here. <laughs> and you're like, that's weird. Why would they put that in the movie? Yeah. Well, it comes back later because, yeah, the Borg are secretly there. <laughs> and they like it a little warmer. You know those coworkers that are always fiddling with the temperature and Borgs. it's really annoying? Those are Borgs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you the might... humidity, too. I, w- I wish they had primed us in like every other movie. Geordi is just saying inane shit all the time. <laughs> and you just never pay attention. It's like... Or he's like, it's cold in engineering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's always complaining about the temperature. That's his character trait. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, something with eyes. I don't know. <laughs> well, he has eyes in this movie. He does have like, eyes. Yeah. yeah. Which is like mechanical. Feels good for him. Yeah, you can like zoom in and stuff. I don't know if it's true, but on the internet it said like LeVar Burton had been asking for years to be like, it's the future. Can't Jordy just have some robot eyes so I don't have to wear this goddamn yeah. thing? Yeah. <laughs> well, they were afraid to give him robot eyes because then he would have too much blackmail sexuality right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, for those that don't know that's what he said he thought that he criticized the writers for for making Jordy a brilliant engineer but uh, never able to speak to a woman well how without... is he gonna get a date when there's like this freaking <laughs> visor over his eyes that's true <laughs> that's not romantic you can't look into those baby yeah. gold bars <laughs> <laughs> take your glasses off no 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 put them back on <laughs> there's still light coming from out of the door yeah but basically there's like Two situations happening. Like, Riker and most of the crew is down on Earth. And they are at this particular moment in time where humanity is about to make first contact. 
like the title of the movie, mm-hmm. with an intelligent civilization because they test their warp drive and then it gets noticed by the Vulcans and that leads to everything that uh, we know and love about the Star Trek universe. The utopian times come because of this moment in history. Yeah. I remember that they like saw his ship and that they brought the ship into their ship and that's how he made first contact. No, he just goes up and comes back down and the aliens land, right? And they just know about the fact that mankind has warp because of the warp signature that was left in the atmosphere or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't the like the Enterprise has warp? Why don't they just blast their warp and then leave? Like oh, that yeah. would solve everything. They wouldn't need to do anything. Well, I mean, I think they want to preserve the timeline yeah. as much as possible. They need to help that guy do it because that guy also becomes like a historical figure yeah. as they talk about. He could he could have just he could have been the guy that shook their hand. Or but something. I mean, the crazy part is that Vulcan ship like cruises right past the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's weird. Isn't that a? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't have uh, windows in the Vulcan ship. Oh, okay. So <laughs> the guy by their ears, but. Yeah, so Z from Cochrane, he is the guy who is supposed to be doing the first warp flight. And that guy is played by the great, blanking on his name right now. James Cromwell. James Cromwell, <laughs> who, of course, has given us, you know, tons of prime ministers and presidents and mm-hmm. learned people. Yeah. And also we have Alfre Woodard. As She's a great actress. She is. Yeah. They have floated her as possibly being nominated for the uh, Academy Award this year. Yeah. Of course, she didn't get it because she's black and she wasn't playing, like, Harriet Tubman. Right. <laughs> oh, God, the Academy Awards. Anyway, we won't talk about that right now. <laughs> but while she all... wasn't playing Harriet Tubman or the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> but while all of this stuff is happening, while they are trying to make sure that the historical record actually happens that they go off and uh, do this flight, mm-hmm. everybody up on the ship has to basically try to survive the Borg uh, intrusion. So there's a whole bunch of people who are stuck in uh, sickbay, including Alfre Woodard, because yep. she is, um, they bring her up because she gets knocked out or something like that. She has a radiation poisoning. Yeah, from right. the warp core. Yeah. yeah. So it, this it becomes very quickly like a siege situation, like, you know, Captain Picard, right away, he gets into battle mode. He takes off his, like, you know, his thing, and he puts on, like, a badass vest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is, is very reminiscent a... <laughs> of, of that, like, episode, except he has a phaser gun instead of, like, a crossbow, which was pretty badass. Yeah. I didn't uh, think it looked that bad. It kind of looked like when Santa Claus takes off his, like, outer coat. <laughs> He's got, like, a, a little vest thing underneath. Like a, like a waistcoat. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it gets badass. I guess. Well, they also have they have like the phaser rifles. Yeah, they only bring those out when it's like you know the real yeah. business. Yeah, they did it on the show sometimes when yeah things got intense. Mm-hmm. But what does that do that the other ones don't? Because at it, one point it he says shoot faster. <laughs> it doesn't shoot harder. Well, he says at one point like because the phaser like at its maximum setting can disintegrate you. Yeah. What does the other one do more than that? It disintegrates <laughs> you harder. Yeah. Like it really. Just, you just feel more pain as you go. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a long time. Yeah. It's like 24 hours of disintegration. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like that phaser that Saul Rubinek had in that, in that one episode he was in. Right. <laughs> yeah. But while they're trying to uh, retake the engine room, 
they captured the Borg captured data. They capture them by like you know yoinking them through the bottom of a closing door. <laughs> it was so it was like a scene from Critters or something like this weird B movie sci fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's gone. He's he's captured. He's in there. But he also says when we first see him that they can't do anything to him. No. Like we... if they're going to torture him for the code to break the Enterprise, uh, they're not going to get it because he uh, he can't be you know manipulated by the board. No, that's right. But they're not going to manipulate him using classic hacking techniques. They're no. going to manipulate him using the oldest hacking technique in the book. <laughs> <laughs> A, a low-cut mechanical <laughs> dress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because this is, I think, also where we're introduced to the uh, big baddie of this movie, which is the Borg Queen, mm. which is sort of like the next generation of Borg. Because we've seen the Borg. We've yeah. seen the Borg with their, like, vacuum tubes, you know, attached to their bodies, and <laughs> right. they're wearing too much, like, pasty makeup, mm. and... Uh, there's like bits of little toys glued to their faces. <laughs> bits of whatever Star Trek merch didn't move. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Paramount has. But, it's like all these dolls just stuck to their faces. But this is a whole different beast. I mean, first of all, this is a Lady Borg. Oh, which, yeah. I mean, granted, it's hard to see the Borgs and all of their, you know, cybernetic appliances, but it seems like most of the Borgs are kind of dudes. Yeah. yeah. It's a real yeah. sausage party, those Borg shows. Real sausage party. Assimilate <laughs> some women, huh? Yeah. But. Also, they're all Oscar voters. <laughs> <laughs> but also, she not only is a woman, but she's she's different. She like it seems like she's just uh, like a top part with like a spinal cord, and then she pops on to like this body. She's very uh, Terminator esque as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has like the under, like she has the mechanical metal head. Yeah. Underneath all her stuff, too. Yeah, and also like the Borg, she's not cold and unemotional. She seems to have like, I mean, she apparently has uh, desires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets, I remember it being like subtly sexual, but she like literally says to Data, was it good for you? And it's, oh, like, yeah. it's not subtle at all. Are you familiar with physical forms of pleasure? <clears throat> if you are. Referring to sexuality, I am fully functional, programmed in multiple techniques. How long has it been since you've used them? Eight years, seven months, 16 days, four minutes, 22. Far too long. <laughs> well, I mean, they no. kiss at one point, too. Like... <laughs> It's, it makes you wonder, is the uh, title First Contact a, a double meaning? Mm. Oh. An entendre. Mm -hmm. Well, not for yeah. Data because, well, you know. Data says he's fully functional. Oh, that's true. He yeah. is. Yeah, he but is. he's already done it with Tasha Yar. Right? In the second so. episode. Yeah. Like, tease it out a little. Like, he's like know. the James Bond of robots because she dies like a few episodes, like later yeah. on. Uh, right? the only yeah, person was, ever yeah, I think there was some time oh, okay. passed. But, yeah. Right. And plus he like – He's not the James Bond of robots. He hadn't had sex since then, and he knows he's been counting down the minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. there was. I mean, I've had some dry spells, but I've never had to count down the minutes. <laughs> she does ask him, when was the last time you did it? And he gets it down to the second. So, yeah. That's pretty funny. I do love Brent Spiner's uh, acting in this. And I think also, like, 
throughout all of this movie, he's very good at like playing the unemotional part and then like just letting the sort of emotions bubble through, like the sarcasm or the yeah. uncomfortable, the awkwardness. Yeah. He's so good as Data with a chip. Like he's good at, at like as Data, and he got a lot, like a lot of accolades for that, obviously. But like with Data with the chip, is he's, he's on another level. Yeah, because like, he, and it. he can turn it on and off. Yeah, it's a change from the last movie where he couldn't control it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he deserves to be more than just a scientist in Independence Day. You know, he, des- he deserves more than what he got. I think <laughs> as an actor, wasn't personally. he? Well, he was in the Independence Day sequel too, though. Like, but he was really bad, wasn't he? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't like, bad in that movie. Yeah, he, he has like a web series or something. Really? Yeah. Oh man. And he's going to be on the new uh, Picard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess like a, a few of our old friends will be showing up, right? Yeah. Hopefully, they're my only friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm so excited about the show. I got to get my mom to send back my action figures. <laughs> oh my god, I still have mine. They're they're at my house. Yeah. Are you yeah. going to get them all ready for the Picard show? You're just going to watch the Picard show with them? Not a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> Set them all up. You know what? I, I actually bought, like, a few years ago, I bought the bridge playset. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Because uh, I just decided that I wanted it. And I got it on. <laughs> like, I have enough money. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it wasn't expensive. but <laughs> right. it was, And it was still, like, new in the box. I, I don't think they're collector's items in the same way some other franchises right. have become become that but it's great i love it i'm uh you know i had to i put it all together and then well, you took uh, it out of the box took it out of the box i put it all together put all the toys in it and then realized that it took up way too much space my wife was going to kill me so i had to take it all back all apart and <laughs> put it in the basement where it is now where we used to podcast that's right yeah it's now the bridge of the enterprise <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, in retaking the Enterprise, they have to do a bunch of stuff like Captain Picard and Worf go out onto the outside of the Enterprise in order to stop the Borg from installing this communication device that would let them communicate with the future. Yeah. I remember that being mind-blowing at the time. It looks really good yeah. still, it does, I think. Yeah. A lot of the like backgrounds and all the space stuff, I think, still looks like pretty impressive. I thought it did. Yeah. No. Yeah, I just no. I just feel like why did they destroy it? Then if it communicates with the future, wouldn't you want that as Starfleet? Like, why did you have to blow it up? It was fine. You just disconnected it. I don't think it communicated with the future. I think it communicated with the Delta Quadrant, where the Borg that were around. Oh, in that okay. Time okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So yeah, and that's call the, the Borg earlier. Yeah. Before Starfleet got a start. That's good. That's, that's the other thing we should mention is this movie happens. After Voyager had already started, so we right. get like a few Voyager shoutouts. There's uh, oh the EMH doctor, the doctor, yeah, Robert uh, Picardo, yeah. and there's the guy. I mean, this isn't like an in in universe shoutout, yeah. but yeah, the guy who plays Neelix is is the Matri D in the holodeck. Yeah. Right, they put a mustache on him. He's like he's a different character. Now. We should probably <laughs> talk about that scene. That's I still don't understand. <laughs> The logic of that scene, like it, it felt like the casino planet in Last Jedi. Right, it was just like why go here? Right. <laughs> like what's happening? Why? Well, maybe they, visually they just wanted to break it up or something. But yeah. like they're on the ship. There's a whole bunch of Borg. The Borg don't. They just leave you alone unless you're a direct threat. Captain <laughs> Picard for some reason decides. I'm going to antagonize. Yeah, them. I'm going to shoot. I, mean, I guess he's angry, but still yeah. he shoots his phaser at them, antagonizes them. Hides in the holodeck. Well, first he he loads his uh, Dixon Hill program. Yeah, because yeah. he's if he's going to be in the holodeck, he at least wants to have his stories. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I recorded this. I'm going to watch it. But he doesn't just go in there to like get a weapon to shoot them. He go, he him and Alfred Woodard 
full-on change into a tuxedo and an evening dress. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if you were Alfred-worded in this situation, you wake up in, like, the future – and he's like, oh, by the way, we're going to go into this room that's the past? Yeah. Like, you're, I don't know. And all of a sudden you're undressing in front of an old <laughs> British man you just met? <laughs> yeah. In yeah. there. And he angrily murders people in front <laughs> yeah. of you? Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. That look a lot like this other guy that he was just friends with? Why not just Dana? replicate a Tommy gun? <laughs> I know. And how does he turn off the safety protocols? He never so, says yeah. anything. Mm. Oh, that's so weird. I don't know. But – the gangster in the holodeck program is Donna's dad from that 70s show. Right. He's in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Too. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. There's another cameo. Adam Scott is yeah, also... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I noticed that. I don't think that's so much a cameo as that was yeah, what no, Adam was Scott working, was doing. Yeah, he was... Yeah, <laughs> 1996. Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. On the surface, they are trying to get the rocket launch for the time when the rocket launch is supposed to happen. But the problem is, is that uh, Cochran, he is having a hard time with all of these expectations Mm -hmm. with the legacy. And like, you know, for example, like Jordy LaForge, like completely fans over him in the way that Donald Glover was worried that he'd fan over (laughs) LeVar Burton and community. That's great. That's a good connection. I love that. So Jordy ruined that situation like it was a date on a beach in the holodeck. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Jordy. Yeah, and at one point Cochran actually runs away and gets drunk and they have to like shoot him with a phaser. When isn't Cochran getting drunk? Yeah, He loves booze and he loves that one Roy Orbison song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, And and a Steppenwolf song. Yeah, and a classic rock song. Yeah. Yeah. But eventually they're ready to do the thing and so they – the day of the launch comes and they get in there. I, lo- I love that this, this ship has three seats. So it was always going to fly with two <laughs> other guys, right? And so apparently those people have been murdered by the Borg. Yeah. Zephyrin Cochran doesn't mention them by name at all. No. Doesn't feel sad that they're this not there. This one's for Timmy. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't pour one out. Was <laughs> Alfre Woodard supposed to be one of them? Yeah, yeah maybe Alfre. But like there's still well, that. She's written out of the history books now. Like I Michael guess. Collins there is supposed to be there. <laughs> not, not there. Anyway. Yeah. So they launch, and they're getting ready to do the thing. First, it's a rocket, conventional rocket. And then after that, the sort of nacelles come out. And then they're going to do, like, the classic warp drive sort of thing. Except Data... He has been so perverted by this lady Borg <laughs> who, who has used her, so her sexuality against him oh, and man. also given him like a little patch of skin, which, you know, make, makes him real tingly. Yeah. And, and on his face, too. And his face. Right. That's right. He looks like the reverse Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Or, or a re- reverse Borg. Basically, mm. he's got like oh, yeah. the skin. Where else the did eye. they give him skin? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> first contact. <laughs> first contact. <laughs> Second or third contact. <laughs> and even Captain Picard, this is the point where he's gotten into the engine room and like he has confronted the Borg Queen and he's been like, hey, I know that you want me and that is why that you're here and all of that. And yeah, if you want me. I guess I'll can have a thing. I'll be Lacutus. We'll do your thing. I'll move back in. But yeah. she's like, uh-uh, I got a new man. Yeah, that's Data. Yeah. I like how— It would be great if she just had, like, a cardboard box. Be like, you left some stuff behind <laughs> after we assimilated you. Like, my copy that... of Moby Dick. <laughs> <laughs> These are my hand attachments. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I-, I love how he's, like, willing to sacrifice his life for his friend, Data, whereas two scenes ago, he called his other friend a fucking coward. Have your orders. I must object to this course of action. The objection is is noted. With all due respect, sir, 
I believe you are allowing your personal experience with the board to influence your judgment. You want to destroy the ship and run away, you coward. Jean-Luc. If you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand. Get off my bridge. Well, that is, that's his feelings. Like, he, that was his uh, moment you, of dark, yeah. you know. Yeah. Because Captain Picard feel- knows that he should have done the right thing. He should have blown up the Enterprise and, yeah. you know, abandoned ship, and that would have been it. But he wasn't thinking because he had all of this... I just feel like PTSD. Worf gets the short end of the stick all the time. But he apologizes well, that, after. He's like, yeah. you are the most courageous person I have ever served with. Mr. Worf, do you have a British on. accent? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Worf puts his, like, batleth away. He's like, okay, I don't have to murder you I now. I will kill any man on his spot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, he's always getting the – you were about to say the, the supercut super yeah. of just Worf getting shit on the entire time. No, Worf. You're stupid, Worf. <laughs> It seems just like a bullying. What's the matter with you? It's like a bullying PSA. It's awful to watch. But uh, he was right here. Yeah, he got that apology. Okay. Yeah. He yeah. was Right. Yeah. Finally, Worf gets his comeuppance. Yeah. And uh, but Data was just kidding about mm-hmm. being going along with the Borg Queen because he loves Captain Picard, <laughs> and so he like you know busts the engine thing and yeah. then all of this like solvent gas comes and uh, dissolves yeah, all cord. the organic matter and Captain Picard has to like climb the hoses in a very like you know it seems like somebody his age shouldn't be doing that sort of activity it seems like someone his age didn't do that activity is what it looks like yeah. and, like there's, every sh- there's two grips holding each of his legs oh, under- man. <laughs> totally like every shot is him from like the the nipples up kind of thing. he's like i can barely raise my arms oh! above this like you you better be holding me oh, he's, he looks in pretty good shape oh, yeah he does look in pretty good shape uh, he's a little ripped yeah he's in better shape than any of us that's true he's, he's true. an old man he's <laughs> That's true. He would punch my lights out. <laughs> four lights. <laughs> the four lights out. Yeah, and then the Borg Queen is, you know, dissolved, and he, like, snaps her spinal cord, and that's the end of the terror. Yeah. And the ship does its warp thing. The Vulcans see it, and so they come on down, mm-hmm. and... Of course, Zephyrin Cochran can't do the uh, Vulcan V hand sign. Right. So he just does a put her there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the future, the utopian, beautiful world that we've all created is insured. Yeah. How do they get back? Oh, they just go through the same hole they came through. <laughs> like, it's, But like they said yeah. that they had to get through it when they initially went through it because it was closing. And then, uh, they, then in the end, they just went back through it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was like, weird. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a part of the script they just dropped. Like, oh. shouldn't they have to fly backwards around the sun or something? Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get into that and more when we get back from these messages. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back. This is Rewatchability. We're talking about 
first contact. Yes. And Data's first contact with uh, with people. Uh, he had sex with Tasha Yar. Yeah, I guess. And he had a girlfriend in that one episode. <laughs> the one episode. Poor Data. No one's no one's doing it in the future. That's the that's the shitty yeah. thing in the future. Star Trek is like surprisingly non-sexual. Yeah. Like I always thought like Barkley using that holodeck, I was like, that's what everyone would be doing. Oh yeah. That's like that's the only reason VR is a thing for like VR porn. I'm I, sure I've written this before as a joke, but like the worst job in the enterprise is whoever has to clean that holodeck <laughs> just, at the end of the day. Just transport it out. Just put it right <laughs> into space. Oh, actually they might do that because yeah. That's why – because I, I – years ago I wrote a, a thing about all the crazy stuff that happens on Star Trek. And one of the craziest to me is how the holodeck's always like breaking down and like killing uh. people. And the reason it can kill people is because like all the food it creates is replicated and oh, stuff so replicator. people can eat. Okay. So to get rid of all the sort of food waste and stuff like that that it creates – the holodeck has a feature that it can basically like destroy everything inside of it, oh. like uh, yeah, just vaporize it or something. Yeah, so that's yeah. how if uh, if there's a hiccup, it could kill everyone inside of it. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I always thought it was weird that they had like one bathroom on the Enterprise too. Like that's a famous yeah. f- foible in the construction of the Enterprise. There's like two actually. Oh okay, <laughs> there's one in Captain Picard's quarters probably. There's one on the bridge, which is really funny because right. they put it in the technical manual. Yeah, or that's something. What I'm referring, where, yeah, yeah, and. And uh, but like when they're shooting the show, they don't really think about that. So you can see on the show sometimes people go into the, the through the doors that we now know <laughs> right. are the bathroom and then enter like zipping up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just light a candle in there, would you? We're trying to take on the Borg here. <laughs> like in the I middle, have to smell that in the middle of a Romulan firefight. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm just going to excuse myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I always thought it was because like when you're like beaming everywhere, they just like beam the poop out of you. Well, Ew, yeah. no. That's what I thought. You just beam all the excrement. What if they beamed your colon out? Well, they have to put it all together. They do it, They do more sensitive beaming than just beaming stuff out of your stomach. Wasn't that, There's also like a theory that like the transporter isn't a transporter. It basically like duplicates you and yeah. kills you like the yeah. prestige or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the only way it would work. Otherwise, right. like little particles are being transported through space like is it on a tractor. Be- I don't know. Yeah. It's very weird. Anyway, sorry, JM, you have some uh, some trivia for yeah, us. Yeah, I've got some trivia. Okay. Okay. In, in the first draft of the script, or one of the early drafts of the script, they didn't go back to to the 21st century. Okay. They What, what time period did they go back to? Oh, I don't know, but I'm just going to say something wild. Ancient Rome. It's not too far off. Shit. Ancient yeah. Greece. My my my, fr- uh, <laughs> my first stop further off than that. was going to be like when we first made it to the moon. But if it's that's not close, then um, yeah, I don't know. Jesus' time? No, the Renaissance. Oh, the Renaissance. Oh. And it was going to be called Star Trek Renaissance. And uh, Data uh, befriends Leonardo da Vinci in this version of the story. Damn. Perfect. Uh, that didn't happen, though. Didn't Janeway have a thing with holographic da Vinci? Yeah, it was John Reese davies wasn't it? Oh, oh wow. yeah, yeah. Huh. I think <laughs> I don't know. So that I mean, I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah, uh, that would have yeah. been a bad episode of Star Trek to yeah. begin with. And then like, I kind of like the time travel Star Trek episodes, but for a whole movie to be in one time period that doesn't feel like the future, like I like that it went back in time, but was still in the future. That's well, this what one, was they were still in universe yeah, instead yeah. of in our past. You know, but also it feels like meaningful to yes. go back in time. 
to this particular point because it sort of is the origin of the world yeah as they sort of propose it so like to go back to like a weird portion of the renaissance might be fun in like yeah hey it's a fish out of water ah these crazy 23rd century people don't know how to use 16th century italian toilet holes (laughs) (laughs) but the fact that they go back to this moment and this moment becomes such a big part of the movie is sort of what makes the movie in a way. Totally. We can explore more of the Star Trek universe and the Star Trek lore that we've heard about. Well, it also... That's Data's brother. He's not in (laughs) this But it also brings us back to what Star Trek was originally about, the awe of exploring the universe. And to represent that... Yeah, is it's it's powerful That's when they a do great it here. Point. Yeah. The Renaissance, nothing fucking good happened in the Renaissance. <laughs> Overrated. <laughs> yeah, I also do like the idea. Like, there's a great two part Deep Space Nine episode that explores this, but basically that that just before the utopian future of Star Trek, like right around now. Oh yeah, the is, Third World World War. Yeah, the Third World War is yeah. basically like a Earth is a hellscape. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> well, they mentioned that in this movie too. Like this, I I thought it was interesting how like they place this, and then there's a bunch of supposed history that's happened between now and the Z from Cochrane time yeah. that have totally changed everything. Like something Eastern Alliance, like you know, mm-hmm. it is like the post-apocalyptic future. Just people have kept living. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, like, why Picard says at one point, like, all my crew is going to go down to Earth and live in some, like, backwater part of North America to live out their lives and try not to interfere with history. Yeah. Because so many people have died that you can do that. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Jonathan Frakes directed this movie. Wow. Yeah. This is his first movie. He directed a bunch of uh, TV and episodes. Uh, I think he did some Voyagers. Mm -hmm. He's directed a lot of TV. From what I could tell, he's only directed two other theatrical feature films. Can you name those two other films? Uh, The non-Star Trek ones. Oh, non-Star Trek. I was going to say like Nemesis. Two other non-Star Trek theatrical films. Was one of them Thunderbirds? Yes. One of them was Thunderbirds. Oh, yeah. Thunderbirds are go. (laughs) The the non-puppet version of Thunderbirds. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, damn. Why are you afraid of puppet freaks? (laughs) Puppets. Yeah, I have no (laughs) idea what the other one would be. You got any guesses? No. I'll give you a clue. Beyond belief factor fiction in the movie. (laughs) Fiction. Uh, I'll give you a clue. It was sort of like a a teen centric riff on a, a old Twilight Zone episode. Oh, it also involved time, like clockers or something. Or? Close. That was like a time stoppers movie. or something. Yeah, oh, close. What is it? Clock stoppers. Clock stoppers. There we go. Yeah, yeah I can like picture the poster. Yeah, yeah. Starring uh, Jesse Bradford. Mm. Okay, last question. Okay. What uh, Star Wars cameo is in this movie? The two don't often mingle, but... uh, Never. Never the twain shall Not necessarily a person. Is it the Force? Yeah. It's an (laughs) all-living thing. So technically, cameos in every movie. Oh, I know what this is. Okay. There's a a Star Trek toy, uh, which is repurposed as part of the Borg's uh, outfit. Wait, what? Star Wars toy? That was a joke we just made earlier. <laughs> yeah, but it's really true. Like, what, really? Yeah, there's like literally a Millennium Falcon as part of somebody's eye. Oh, no. I, or a TIE oh, fighter or whatever. Funny. Maybe that's a different thing, or maybe you're getting confused okay. with the fact that the Millennium Falcon is in the battle scene at the beginning. Oh. And oh. the reason for that is very tiny. You would never notice it unless you zoom in on your DVD. 
But it, the reason for that is because ILM was in the process of doing the effects for the Star Wars special editions, oh. which okay. were coming out, I guess, like the following year. So <laughs> they had a digital version of the Millennium Falcon for the first time, and they just threw it into the background oh. of... We have That's an empty space so in weird. space. Yeah. And I, something. I think J.J. Abrams did something similar. I think he put R2-D2 in one of the battle scenes in <laughs> Star Trek. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's because he doesn't like Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> well, does apparently he, like? he doesn't like Star Wars yeah, either. Yeah, what does he like, man? <laughs> brutal. I do want to say this isn't trivia, but one thing I wanted to talk about, uh, I've never seen anything conclusive to prove this or any interviews with creatives that have confirmed this but I heard this rumor somewhere and I don't even remember where I heard it but it totally makes sense to me and that is that the whole Zephyrin Cochran story where he's their idol he put in motion everything that they love. Oh, was Gene Roddenberry? Was Gene Roddenberry. Wow. Because, because he's revealed to be this kind of drunk that they <laughs> sort of lose respect for and he's just oh, not what they were hoping yeah. because you know Gene Roddenberry famously was very hard to work with. He basically right. got thrown off of the Star Trek movies, which is partly, I think, why he started The Next Generation because they wouldn't let him be involved creatively with the movies anymore. Oh, wow. But people found it very hard to work with on TNG, all these kind of limitations that the mm-hmm. writers wanted to yeah. push that he wouldn't let them. Luckily, he died. Oh, God. So cruel. <laughs> and then so that they could do the creative things they want. Yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is what happened. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I, I thought that that was interesting. I hadn't watched it since hearing that. And also, like, Cochran is the first person to say Star Trek yeah. in a Star Trek. Oh, yeah. What that a kind of ham-fisted line, though. It is, yeah. What, you guys are on some sort of Star Trek? Here, have <laughs> five dollars. You'll <laughs> see a Star Trek. It's just like the worst. It just sounded like a <laughs> They were man. little women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gene Roddenberry, he, he was a cop, right, before he was a Star Trek writer. He like came up with the idea of this utopic. Is that true? I, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't really know that much about him. No, okay. Other yeah. than uh, this that... character might be based on him. And he wrote the words to the Star Trek song, so he'd make a bunch of money. That's true. Oh, I that's know funny. That. And yeah, and that like uh, Lucille Ball like took a chance in this show, and like she was her production on the company, original, yeah, on the original show. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Pretty fun. And uh, I did want to mention while we're talking about Gene Roddenberry and. The time travel of it all. Right. There, one of the one of the movies he kept pitching that they would never make involves like I can't remember exactly, but it was it was similar to First Contact, whereas it was the Klingons or someone went back in time and were kind of monkeying with uh, Earth's history, mm-hmm. and I think they saved JFK's life or something, which put <laughs> Earth on the wrong path. Oh, <laughs> and so like it like Spock had to go hide in the grassy knoll and shoot JFK or Amazing. something. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Great. That's why there were two shooters. Yeah. Spock was Spock. the other one. It's only logical, Jim. It's only logical. Is it right? Okay, Gene Roddenberry was a cop. There we go. The facts are in. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Space cop. <laughs> space cop. Well, they are kind of like the space police. Yeah. You know, it's like an idealized version of the space police. Like, in this utopian future, is it really going to be like the military force that is keeping everybody's freedom or whatever? That's the yeah. thing that's weird about Star Trek and especially doing like this other podcast and like thinking about it more critically. Like, it is weird that it's it's a utopia but it's also like yeah essentially like a military force yeah. and like it's the show that 
preaches progressivism and and tolerance, but they also like have they're like oh the Ferengi, the they're all so greedy. <laughs> <laughs> the Klingons, they're nothing but angry and irritable. Man, <laughs> they're the most racist. Oh, it's just colonialism, man. Oh, it totally put is. another name on it. Slap a little badge. They're just trying, yeah, they're just trying to get people and federation. Well, at one point, Alfre Woodard asks Captain Picard how many planets are part of the Federation. He says like a hundred and fifty or something. This doesn't even seem that like that many. No. No, and they've made they've been on so many planets that didn't know about the Federation. They've made first contact on so many planets. Yeah, well you they're always they violating the first directive or the prime directive or whatever. Prime directive. It's called the prime directive. It's the only one. <laughs> well, it's the only one they keep breaking. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, they like at one point they like decide to tell Cochrane about the future because they're like you know prime directive be damned we have to like save this but then they aggressively don't care about ruining his future yeah, like no. Riker's quoting him to <laughs> self to him yeah yeah I love how he says to Riker like I hate hearing about myself and then Riker quotes something to him and he's like oh that is wise who said that and he's like you he's like fuck you I just said I hated hearing about myself <laughs> let me tell you about your first wife's death <laughs> no no what are you doing <laughs> it's long and slow and painful stop stop I can't get married now oh, that's what? terrible yeah. Oh, man. So what do you guys think about, like, is it still kind of the best TNG movie for you guys? Oh, man. I have to be honest. I I was really stoked to rewatch this, and I remember it being awesome. But mm-hmm. I think some of it is kind of rough. And I think part of it is that a lot of it, especially, like, the first half still feels like just an episode of TNG. And watching a movie, I think I just expect something more cinematic. And, like, Frakes, there are some parts that I think are directed really well, but there are some parts that are just like, this is just an episode of the TV show. This is the house style of the TV show. This yeah. is everything that's, that's happening. that's what you get when you hire Frakes a little bit, right? Well, they, he's, like, grown up on that TV show. He knows how every director directed that TV show. Well, apparently he was also very quick. Like, they called him Two Takes Frakes after <laughs> this movie, which I think, you know, can be good. Like, the movie definitely has a lot of energy. Yeah. But I think that... I don't know. I just I hope that it would be more cinematic. And I even thought that I hope that it would be like more like emotional. Like, yeah, Data has his thing and Picard has his thing. And there's this first contact theme as well. But there's it still feels like it's not very emotionally rich. Like there's not an emotional richness between like a lot of the characters. And I think that's something that we like expect from our ensemble dramas is for them to have like more rich interacting well, character lives and and just for the movie you need someone to really change or to to become different oh i'll push back on that i think captain picard his arc in this movie is great and i love yeah. his interplay with alfrey woodard sure. yeah, i guess i don't know i felt like it was kind of like let's return it like I don't see him being different in the subsequent movies from this than he was in the movies before this. I Well, I think what this movie is really about is – well, I think the last movie is, you know, kind of about his regrets and, and, and him aging and, yeah. and stuff like that. I think this movie is about – it kind of connects to what we were talking about, like with the Federation being this kind of imperfect uh, force. Right. It's it's about like him him kind of condescending to the past and being like we're so much better, and then reckoning with the fact that he is still subject to all the flaws of humanity, mm. and the you know he's not above you know wanting revenge right. about being traumatized mm-hmm. of of all of these things that are are, are human. 
that can never be evolved past regardless of how you know successful <laughs> the future might become in terms of you know, abolishing money and, mm. and and having space travel and captain picard has always kind of uh, personified the best parts of the federation he's a very ethical man mm-hmm. so the fact that the movie is kind of like him him coming to terms with the fact that he isn't above some of the more petty darker sides of 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 being a human being i i think is really powerful and especially just like i'm looking at this through the lens of yeah. like the picard show coming out and mm-hmm. and what is this character's journey not just in this movie but over the you know the entire series and series of films up till now right. and yeah. i think this is like a key part of that one thing though i don't think it's like brought out very well like there's lots of stuff happening like in the script and the script is done by uh ronald d moore who worked on you know this and deep space nine and then also the battlestar galactica and there's like lots of dark stuff in there like captain picard is telling people oh yeah if a crew member gets captured by the board kill them and then at one point he like shoots an ensign who you know we see start to transform (laughs) i haven't been assimilated yet (laughs) (laughs) i was just getting coffee but like none of it has like the weight that it should like he is killing his crew members he's killing his family his friends and then like it doesn't sort of i think it doesn't have weight after water calls him out for that though she calls him out for it yeah but it doesn't have like the like emotional impact because there's just we just have to get to this point and this point and then they've got to take this and then the thing has got to go up i don't know but i like i mean yeah maybe they don't like call it out as much but as someone who is assimil- assimilated and who is like living through this like PTSD, like you said, like he's not just killing those people; he's killing himself for sure. He's he's putting himself out of the yeah. misery of dealing with with yeah. all these feelings. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like it's heavy shit. Um, also, I mean, don't get me wrong; this is a goofy movie. Yeah, this movie is ridiculous and super day. Like that aesthetic of like the black leather plasticky oh, yeah. outfits with I mean, the cyborg we, faces. We watched Hellraiser not too long ago, and it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, these are space cenobites, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. So you were finding it like a little less uh, than what you thought it was. Well, yeah, and I just wonder. I just like feel like the best Star Trek movies, or are the ones that are a little bit more cinematic. And like I saw that they were talking. They tried to get people like John McTiernan and Ridley Scott to direct this movie, and I can sort of see like how that would work. Like Die yeah. Hard on the Enterprise, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. Ridley Scott, not so much. But uh, <laughs> you know, well, John I, McTiernan probably went to jail around this time. <laughs> yeah, probably. But yeah, I just you know I would have liked to see more of like my favorite guys shot in a way where like it feels like a big adventure where it feels like bigger. Like I wanted to feel, I wanted to feel something more for all of them. And I think like in some ways it was just too s- small in scope. Yeah. However, like the data thing still works. The first contact thing still brings me somewhere. And Captain Picard as a badass, I think also really works. So like those three things sort of saved the movie for I, me. I see, I see what you're saying. Like on paper, the stakes are like the highest they've ever been in Star Trek. Like, you know, everyone's going to die and the Federation won't even exist. Like we're going to undo everything. And those are the highest stakes ever. Yeah. But like it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, it's just another Tuesday. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah, abandon the ship and then we'll shoot the warp core into the... Yeah. But that's what I mean. I feel it the most with the Picard character. Yeah, Because yeah. It's, it's, it's less about, for me, like, oh, I, you know, 
first contact is going to be ruined and more like he is losing it. Like he's giving orders that no one wants to obey because they're right. crazy. And like I'm I'm just so invested in that character that I care more about like his crew respecting him and him maintaining his own sanity. Well, mm-hmm. So would you – having rewatched like all the kind of major Picard episodes, would you put this up against those episodes? Like, do you think it fits in there? I think it fits but like for me – no, I think it's a good movie and I enjoy it and it's probably the best of these movies, yeah. but I like the episodes of The Next Generation that do get a bit more like experimental or exploratory. Philosophical. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, one of the big ones, which we talked about the other day on our show was, uh, you know, Inner Light. Yeah. Which is I mean, like the famous episode, one. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't know. And that's one thing that the movies never really did, I guess, because they all had to be kind of big action movies that are... Yeah. Going to appeal not just to Star Trek fans, but they could never really allow for like one of the things a I liked about the show was as a movie. Yeah, yeah well, it just like week to week, you didn't know what you were going to get, and sometimes they were very high concept mm-hmm. stories, and we never really could get that with the movies. I mean, even this time travel one is is pretty uh, pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the fact that it's it there's such clearly defined A and B stories also kind of adds to the feeling of it being a TV oh, show. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Um but yeah. I don't know. And I think like I was saying about the Borg feeling dated, I think our watching it now, our perception of how technology is scary mm-hmm. has changed. Like in the nineties it was like the Terminator. It was like robots are going to – someone's going to build robots and they're going to kill us. And now it's like our smartphones are listening to us all the time. <laughs> like I, like this, this movie should have been like the computer just like goes crazy one day. Right. Yeah. So I, this I, movie is so similar to the Terminator now that we like speak about it. Like she even yeah. looks like the Terminator. They go back in yeah. time to kill – like – Well, to me it feels more yeah, like a zombie movie. Plot. That's true. Like the yeah. Borg are just zombies. Yeah, they're, they're just fodder. It's the same rules yeah. that – apply their space zombies yeah they're the horde yeah yeah i you know i was never even like the biggest fan of the borg episodes like i actually kind of like it more when they did something a bit different with the borg like they did that one where they uh attempted to de-assimilate mm-hmm. one right. of them that was a good one and that character is going to be in the new show apparently. oh really yeah he's hugh hugh yeah he's still kicking oh, around huey that's awesome. That's I do sweet. like the Borg arc. And I remember that there is even like a, I think it was Star Trek Enterprise episode that sort of continues off mm. something that happens with this movie. Because I guess the Borg yeah. sphere, like parts of it crash onto Earth and then they have to go <laughs> find it or something. Yeah, the Enterprise really should have taken a week to make sure that no detrius from the Borg ship landed <laughs> on Earth. <laughs> I mean, they're surprised that they didn't go back to the future and, like, you know, it's all Borg planet because, you know, (laughs) there was, like, one surviving Borg that, you know, just assimilated Manhattan or whatever. This is a Tim Burton movie. They just – they get back to the present and be like, call coming in from Admiral so-and-so and and it's just like a Borg guy in a Starfleet (laughs) uniform. (laughs) That would be awesome. So I think we're all kind of in agreement that this is the best of the Star Trek The Next Generation movies. Yeah, I, 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 I maybe generations. I will say that yeah, that one is yeah, is, kind of gives is, it a run for its money. Well, I think people write it off unfairly. Mm. I think I think it's very ambitious, right? And it's weirder. It is more philosophical than this one. Yeah, yeah. It does. It does get a little bit headier. I read that nice. Whoopi Goldberg was kind of pissed that she wasn't called about this one. Yeah, yeah I read that that's too. Shitty. Because her character has a connection to the Borg. Yeah. Well, and also she was a big part of of the last movie, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's weird. And she wanted a paycheck. Like, come on, <laughs> do she was doing the Hollywood Squares at the time. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's it for Rewatchability this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked hearing us talk about Star Trek, in particular JM, talk about yeah. Star Trek, then you can go to your nearest replicator slash cell phone and uh, say that you want your, your T. Earl Grey hot take yeah. at, uh, at Apple was it called Apple Podcast? I don't even know. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, if you have an Apple device, you can get this podcast. Well, I, I mean, I mean, the, you get the feeds out there. You can yeah. get it on any device. There I you assume. go. Perfect. Uh, yeah. If you guys want to come on, you should come if you're watching the show. Too. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna love to. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, you can check out our back catalog at rewatchability.com. You can get T-shirts that JM has designed at T Public. You can take those Star Trek credits and put them towards <laughs> our patreoncom slash rewatchability. We abolish dollars in the 23rd century. We use credits. We, now. Yeah, we call them <laughs> credits. Uh, and uh, five dollars is one credit. <laughs> It's just an arcade. The future is no, just it's a goddamn better. arcade. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.